0: Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United podcast with myself, of course, and my excellent co-host, United Muppeteers, James. I still haven't come up with the name of his podcast.
1: I, <laughs> I mean, the Manchester United podcast yeah. sounds pretty good, but uh, yeah. you know, we might need our own, I mean, we might need our own uh, thing there.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a few interested listeners today from a certain location. Who will be interested to hear what we have to say on this podcast. Um As we said last week, we wouldn't record a podcast unless there was something to actually discuss, really not much on the side of actual football on the pitch. Um, A lot has been going on this week, Um, and uh, you may have noticed some of my tweets took a different (laughs) dimension towards the end of the week. Um, They had some interesting motivations behind them. Um, I've had a few days to think about that, and calm down a bit on it i'm still going to go after it but um you know i'm pretty confident we're coming to the end of what led to all these things happening and uh that is very very encouraging for the club look as we said before a lot has to be disclosed about the neos but is to my level of support behind it but one positive for me that i feel is really really important is that um Manchester United are going to have a significant change of culture. Um, and truthfully, I think what we have seen, uh, and you have to be fair, goes right back to Ferguson and David Gilm. Mm-hmm. Um, It's a culture of self-interest that has, through biden santos led people to do really stupid things.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's you, you've spoken a lot and we've spoken a lot about how, you know, What you see on the pitch is a reflection of what's behind Mm. the scenes. And what you see on the pitch is very often there's no cohesive team working towards a common goal, which is the success Mm. of the club, which is football success, which is to win everything. And everybody will want it, of course, but there's a big difference between wanting something and having things really set up. Every single day, the way that you go about things from top to bottom inside and out towards getting it, um, you know, footballers, obviously to become pro athletes in the first place, they have that as a singular focus and you can see the ones that lose their way Mm. along the way to doing that because they lose that singular focus and they get distracted by other things and they get into other things and they deal with the other things that come and, um, that singular focus as a culture is something that needs to be there from the top down and insisted upon every single day and every behind every single decision rather than anything else. And that I think is the biggest positive that also bring in because it's a bad investment. I'll put it that way. Financially, when you look at the terms of a deal like this, it's a bad investment. It's not the money. Um, what's coming into this club will be people who insist upon results uh, to the point of probably annoyance, to the point where there's gonna be a lot of people unhappy with them coming in, to the point where there's gonna be a lot of uh, probably strife in terms of pushing this in um, and to, to actually make that kind of culture from the top down behind the scenes. And uh, it's it's more than overdue for us as fans. It's something I think we've deserved for a long time to see at United.
0: One of the things that's quite shocking to me, Tim, and the present moment always defends the past. So I look back on some of my commentary towards previous United managers and what have you, and I'm forced to reevaluate some of my views because yeah. as the shock and horror becomes um, clearer, to you about what was really going on inside there. You know, now I know when Mourinho was said finishing second was his greatest achievement mm-hmm. at um, the level of dysfunction and um, you know the selfishness, shall we say, um, is genuinely staggering. Um, to find out how this all came about, to be fair to the current iteration, current management, they didn't bring this culture. But this culture spawns a certain type of individual that is compatible with that culture. So if you want to work in that environment, you have to, and and continue to work in that environment, either that environment will repel you or you will be completely comfortable in that environment because that is exactly analogous with who you are as a human being. It's compatible with you as a person. So if you go back to the Glazer takeover Back in 2005, uh, David Gill had said that was a road to ruin, which he was correct in saying. Um, This was, of course, before his paycheck depended on him bullshitting and uh, publicly opposed the Glazer bid due to the leverage, the the debt leverage. And he had had conversations with uh, fan groups, Amusa, Andy Walsh, what have you, and said, if I wasn't in the job I was in now, I would be in the trances with you. And this is all covered in books. Um, and there was a relationship between Ferguson, Andy Walsh, a number of prominent United fans, certainly when United fans protested the um, cubic expression, in people, Maness and Magner, the Irish owners at Cheltenham, um, they had been violently behind Ferguson, and United, it was obvious to the fans that this was not in Manchester United's best interest and then of course everything changed, Dan Ferguson, Maxi, remember doing an interview saying can you believe these fans are harassing me at home, well no no no, they weren't harassing you at home, they had a relationship where that was a reasonable thing to, to, to do, to call you, to ask you for you to speak out against this, but the minute um it became clear to certain people that this would benefit their own self-interest above that of the football club. That's what they did. They acted in their own self-interest. And so this culture of course has existed at United for a long time. Uh, David Gill, uh, he of course went back on his own word, claimed that it had changed. I don't know how, what it was before to what it is now, how it changed all of a sudden, get your consent because the reasons why you opposed the bid were still very much present. On the, the takeover. Um and then of course you had David Gill and Woodward, who did not like each other. And Ed Woodward, of course, acted in his own self-interest. So did Richard Arnold, so did all the other people there before him. So his culture existed for a long, long time. Manchester United being the 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 uh the, the last uh, aspect of any of this where anyone showed any duty of care, where United were always the uh the, the least important thing in all of this this of course has led to exactly what you would expect in an environment like that lots of um fractions, lots of fights, you know no 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 camaraderie no unity and you know uh, 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 no honor among thieves and so what I think would be quite funny and ironic in all of this is I remember, going back to about August and paraphrasing one of my tweets here, but the message was the same. I said, never in all my years covering United have I had this level of um, resentment towards the Glazers on the inside. I mean, every other time prior to this, if you complained about the Glazers to people on the inside, you'd get some, you know, uh, mild prevarication. You would get some, yeah, 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 yeah. We know the fans don't like them, but they're nice people among us, right? They'd always defend them. Well, that started to change the summer. Where uh, I'm not, I'm not going to share the individuals' messages because I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's unethical. But the sentiment was very clear that there was now start to be anger built internally towards the Glazers. We now know Richard Arnold's relationship with the Glazers um, was strained to say the mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Um, it's clear that the people inside there really liked Richard Arnold. And they wanted him to stay on, which I think that they felt would happen if the Qatari bid was successful. So this was always in their self-interest to were It wasn't about what was right for Manchester United. They weren't opposing the NEO's bid, um, in my opinion, because they felt it was bad for the football club. But what was also interesting to me in this, team was I was getting messages from previous United employees who worked for other companies who stood to benefit. Mm-hmm. So actually. Um, uh, if a Qatari bid was realized, shall we say, who was also feeding information back to me and to others that I now know to be incorrect, um, about any of us, about, um, you know, their, their parsimony and how it wasn't going to be good for the club and they weren't going to do this, weren't going to do this, weren't going to do this. It had a very, very, very consistent message with the message that was being put out by certain platforms. Certain platforms who are entertainment platforms, that's no no that's perfectly a reasonable space to occupy. And I can't do what they can do. Um, they, they have their own particular skills. But what's odd to me is if you have a message you want to disseminate that is you know that that has integrity that you want people to believe, you don't use entertainment outlets, you use legitimate news outlets. The problem with that is they won't disseminate that message um, because you can't buy them with access. And they have other sources that they can verify this with. So they're legitimate journalists, so they're not gonna do that. Plus, these are also people that make a a living off their their reputation of being accurate, right? So it's difficult to get people that are not the onion and say, disseminate this message. Some people will do that because they aren't journalists, because they don't have contacts, and no one would use those outlets to send a message to lend support to an outcome that would personally benefit you. So, for some reason, they decided this was a good idea, and um, that relationship happened. And I've now found it quite funny and ironic that the people they defended for years, who called them really nice people. The music has stopped, but now the current regime have no chair. And they found out that they are disposable as everyone else, that the Glazers are not your friends. The Glazers care about themselves and money no. and what benefits puts them not you. And now there's tremendous resentment and anger on the inside. By the way, one of the outlets that they, that they work with, which really makes me question so much, has been disseminating team sheets on social media hours before they were actually made publicly available. Ten Hag, naturally, very, very upset about this. United will make sure, you know, we get to the bottom of this. <clears throat> uh, it was disseminating injuries before. Uh, anyone else knew about them? I was wondering, that wonder how he's getting that information. Wonder how this outlet is being is acquiring that information. So Ten Hag has had to deal with this disadvantage. Obviously, the chaos behind the scenes, where no one's really working towards anything that benefits Manchester. United. So completely dysfunctional football club that's rotten from the coat, from the top down. That needs to be completely cleaned out. And I, 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 I think the other thing that's disappointing is for me, James, is. Some of the people involved in this are people that I really liked, that I clearly have been given too much credit to. There are people that I thought were thoroughly decent people, ethical human beings. Come to find out that's not the case. And uh, for any potential new owner coming in there, you cannot have these people in here. These are people, this outlet that we're talking about, by the way, just to finish this off, um, was blamed... By Maguire as being the main source of the abuse that he gets, which he made clear to Manchester United and the bomb threats. In editor on social media lamenting the abuse that Maguire gets and the uh, mental health issues. Meanwhile, they're amplifying, legitimising and rewarding that um, for the sake of Manchester United. I'm not going to share what. The initial description of this outfit was because I genuinely had to read it about 20 times to make sure I wasn't uh, in a different uh, dimension, a different reality, because I couldn't believe that someone would come to this conclusion that that's what they thought this company was. Um, So also, Marcus Rushford decides to follow me on Friday. Hey, it just so happens that Marcus Rashford is really upset with the football club because, um, you know, there's a feeling that, um, and I don't want any aggregator accounts to share this. Please keep this to our podcast because I, I don't want this out there. Um, that the club have been given information to outlets that have not been entirely factual and there's a sense that the club are briefing against certain players and individuals and say the football club for whatever reason i don't know i don't know if that's a certain a accurate or not um but i do know that um they have been briefing this that information which to me is genuinely astonishing
1: yeah and <clears throat> you know it's 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 all been rather interesting i know that for sure there is a feeling among some players, you know, and we've gone round and round. And I think that in terms of, you know, on the pitch, you know, I I tend to be somewhat sympathetic to to players at times. Mm -hmm. You tend to be kind of the opposite in a lot of ways in terms of talking about them, you know, but this is something where, when we looked at, when we look at it, there's reasons, you know, when, when you see problems um, we can, we can, we can always blame coaches, we can always blame staff, we can always blame players for things falling apart. But why is it that players are and become so unhappy at yeah. Manchester United so quickly? Alexis Sanchez said he wanted to go home after his first training session, cancel the deal. You had situations with Di Maria, you had situations with mm-hmm. Bob but, and yeah, there's there's blame to go around with a lot of these people. But there's an unhappiness among many players, at United right now that has to do with a lot of things and there's a lot of sense that um, in the same way that there's you know infighting within not between the players themselves but with the players in the club that they're almost sometimes they feel that they're the opponents of the club the players themselves back and forth and and not protected in, in certain ways and, and there's a lot of reasons for that but it just, it, it does all come back to what we started with, which is, you know, what is the culture? What is the purpose? Um, you know, I find it, I found it very odd, this whole process, since about February, I guess I would say, on the mm-hmm. takeover. Because last year, I had information, we spoke about it a long, long time, many, many times, hours and hours of, of talks about this mm-hmm. prior to United being officially put on the market. We had information about Ineos being interested all the way back since the Chelsea offer for some Jim Ratcliffe, which was viewed as basically a, a signpost to say, I'm here and I'd be willing to, to put up the money. He had conversations with the Glazers. He spoke about them publicly in a way that people, some people who read it at face value thought meant the club wasn't going to be sold or that there was nothing going to happen. But it couldn't be more clear how interested he was. And not until February and beyond that point in time was I ever accused of putting out PR for, for Ineosist or Jim Ratcliffe. So what happened the whole prior year of information, the prior six months of information? It wasn't PR until a certain point in February after that Qatari bid came in that suddenly it became PR rather than all this great information that was connected. And it was really odd because I don't actually know how much, if anything, many people within the club themselves knew about the whole takeover process. I think very little in many instances. I think that pretty much they got what was passed down from Richard Arnold, which was what was passed down from the Glazers to him at that period of time. Uh, Maybe a little, maybe he knew a bit more than that. Um, And, Since February, I've shared alongside you and some others as well, everything that I could share in terms of what was real for their plans, for what they actually wanted to do, for what they wanted to make happen in the football club. And it wasn't even slightly in line with what you would consistently see put out there, what you would consistently see as the message, what you would consistently see as played up against... Qatar, that it was something about debt and something about uh, all of these, this money. And, you know, there was so much disinformation that was in there. And where would that all come from? You know, why would that be the case? Why would that happen? I understand that one could look at it and, um, from the outside and say, you know, well, it was because it was for 100% versus this. But it started way before that. It started mm-hmm. even before the details sure. started coming out. It started right from the get-go that there became this interesting kind of problem. And um, it was always interesting to find that I knew that many of the things that were being shared were wrong, were totally mm-hmm. incorrect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even when they seemed to come from within the club, where in the club, I don't know. But even when they came, seemed to come from within the club, I knew they were 100% incorrect. Yeah, I know. And 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 then it it, it uh, you have to wonder where does that again as I said where does that come from, and why and and that all just kind of ties back to this that, you know there was some reports that there was a lot of people unhappy when it came out that the Jim Ratcliffe bid had come through, and was going to occur. This was reported by other people, not myself, but it was reported by other people from within the club that um, they were that there were a lot of people who were unhappy. You know that. Um, the uh, Enios the bid was going to win at the end of the day or was going to come through. And you have to think why. What's being passed and what's coming through there? And given what we know about their intentions, given what we know what we're looking at is happening now, Richard Ronald is gone already, essentially, from his role. Um, there's a fractured relationship between him and the Glazers. They're going to appoint a new CEO, which is very likely to be Jean Claude Blanc. And when you start looking at the things that are actually coming out in the real world, you think, why would anybody be opposed to this? Why would anybody not want these things to happen? You know, and um, it just presents an interesting kind of problem as when you start to look at why things went the way they went the last six months with, and it was a lot of it was fairly nasty in a lot of ways. I mean, I can't say that I've I've had as much in terms of the messages, in terms of abuse, in terms of things like that on any other subject than this over the last six months. And um, <clears throat> I, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't get to me. But you have to wonder what is, when you start to, when those things happen, you have to look at what is pushing that what is creating that what is causing that and i think that's really at the at the heart of the of the discussion and the entire thing that that needs to change because from my perspective there should have been an extreme desire to look at what was really going on what was happening what could have been happening and be in alignment with that i think if if richard arnold had wanted and had as his first priority, this is just my opinion, but if Richard Arnold had had as his first priority the success of Manchester United Football Club, then he would have been looking at what they're prepared to do and what was going on with a bit of a different eye, and there would have been a different message that had gone through the ranks and a different message that would have gone out to people, and um, that's just not the way that it went, and it's never really been about Ineos versus Qatar, it's about real information and as we can see at the end what was true and what do- what wasn't in terms of looking back now you can see what has happened. It's, um, it's it's, it's very uh, complex. the whole thing is very complex but I think that the, the end result of it is that there certainly is a feeling within the people looking at the at the club right now of what's going on and assessing it uh, in terms of who's coming in. That um, it's not functional. It's not functional at all, and uh, and and I'm, I'm I think there's a surprise almost at how dysfunctional a lot of it is. And and sure, as you said, this culture started a long time ago, and so it's not to put the blame on all of the individuals, you know, one by one or anything like that as to what has happened, but from the top down. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it viewed as necessary that there is so much to clear out at United in order to, to fix this, because how can you tell at this point in time, who's going to be in alignment and who's going to be able to work with you on your goals and who's not based on everything that's happened.
0: Look, I think in some sense, uh, I I can understand if you're not an executive, why you would prefer a certain outcome for the company you work for. I totally understand that. Right, we're all human beings, and yep. if I'm working for a company and there's two people competing for the uh, ownership of the company, I'm probably going to have a preference for where I'd like that to land. Maybe the one set of ownership group have said, "We don't wait you. We're going to sack you, or we're going to completely, you know, overhaul the club staff." I can totally understand why people, there's certain people on the inside, would say. I really hope these people don't take over the football club, because we all act in our own self-interest to a degree. I understand that, right? Except yep. that, um, if you're an executive, however, and I'm not saying this 100% happens, but because you know you have to be, have to be very careful with claiming objective things. But if you're an obse- if you're an executive, um, then that's less forgivable to me. And uh, I think, um, well, you can have a preference, but you still have to act with impartiality. The Them, I'm sure they're all the United executives did, but I think whenever you make decisions about who you would like to work with to help influence um public opinion, then I think you have to be very, very careful with that. The problem with that, teams, is this, and as you know, this when. You're informed on things inside the football club because you have multiple different um, sources of information. As you just said, one of the things that you realize is that mm, a lot of the things that I give you are bullshit, right? They're just not true. And I understand when you're first getting into this game as a reporter, why you take their word as gospel, because I did too. Well, whenever, like years ago, when I started getting bids, I, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. they're telling me what's going on. And then as things develop, you realize this is not correct. When you report, John Murda's job is is safe, it's business as usual, and then 24 hours later, it's being reported that he's gone. You have to see exactly what's going on if you're on the wrong end of that. know, if you're claiming an exclusive, and saying, murder's job is safe, um, uh, and then the next day it's being reported by people like John Cross, who are highly reputable journalists, and we've been given that information too, that that's not the case. Um, I'd be angry if that was given to me, because um, that's embarrassing, and uh, this is where you learn over the years that they also have their own agenda and uh, they'll use guys that have decent follower counts to put that information out there. And as you get more and more experienced at this, you start to learn to read between the lines and you start to verify and you start to check against certain things. I mean, there's even things that I haven't run, that I've run up by United. They've given me an answer and I know that answer is not true, um, but I protected certain people. And you know, we, you've done the same. Um, and there's been certain things that um if they were revealed were would be extremely embarrassing to certain people. Um, but we chose not to do that. And um because I don't really want to be someone that um put diarrhea into the um you know the information ecosystem. I don't I don't see any benefit in hurting people who make stupid mistakes because we all make them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's egregious and it's character defining, then that's different. And you go, okay, well, wait a minute, you know, that's something that people should know. But um, and and make no mistake about any business has you know and self-interested people to a certain degree, but I have been really shocked at how bad it is at United, to the levels it's gone to, and how it's been allowed to to develop this long and high is a reflection of the fact that um there hasn't really been any proper alignment with um you know goal sport and goals for for years and Mm -hmm. it is truly a miracle that any manager comes in there and gets players motivated and gets them to succeed but it's completely unsustainable in that environment so um I don't blame people for feeling a certain way or for wanting a certain outcome. I get all that. and um, But the way they went about it to me was so disappointing. And I think um, when any of us are going to have to completely change how this football club is run. And in my opinion, and I wouldn't have said this a week ago, what I would say at night, there isn't a single individual that I can think of an executive level who should be kept on because they are at this point you are a product of that culture. the the, 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 um, the, the organism that you see is a, is, a, is a product of the environment that the, there's nobody in there that's working um, against their, their will who doesn't want to be a part of that environment who doesn't thrive in that environment. Maybe there's certain people in there that are you know because there's a lot of good people working at you know, it amazing amazing human beings. I'm talking about the people that were in a position of influence, that were in important positions, who were in a position of trust, and who were clearly not acting in the club's best interests. It has to have to go around them all. All of them go.
1: Yeah, I hear you. And and you know, it was interesting because I I, I asked somebody, and, and they'll probably listen to this um <laughs> podcast today. I asked somebody. <laughs> well, I asked somebody else. There's a, quite a few people who probably listen to this one, but <laughs> I asked somebody in particular recently about about a few things at United, and they spoke to some people that they know. And um, this is not a person within United, this person in particular, okay? Um, but I, I asked them, and, and, and they spoke to some people, and, and the biggest thing that seems like everybody knows, and I'm talking about the people on the ground working, and, and there are a lot of good people at United working. And, and that's one thing I've always continued to try to, to say because it is true. And you never want to paint everybody with a, with a broad yeah. strokes of something. There are a lot of good people working at United. Um, there's a lot of people in general working at United, you know. And uh, there's a lot of times I've not wanted to say things myself because of, you know, I don't want to cause trouble for those people. What does it do for them to cause trouble for them, to cause problems for them? Besides, get me a bit of clout, you know, to say it or uh, to get that or or to push something. But I spoke to this individual and uh, very, very recently about this problem at United, and 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 what they say is um, the biggest thing, top to bottom, there are no leaders at United. There's absolutely no leadership of any kind, and there are people who are supposed to be leaders at United. There are people who are supposed to be in a position of leadership, and that is not felt by the people within the club. So you can imagine the difficulty. And leadership is, at its core, of course, is the ability and the action of actually guiding people and influencing them and pushing them towards a common goal in any team. We see it on the pitch, and this is where, again, it goes back, which I really love the thing that you've constantly said about this because it's always struck me since then when you, when you look at it is the lack of leaders on the pitch. When you look at it and say there's there's nobody really pushing, it's like 11 strangers most of the time when United step on the field. That's how it is behind the scenes for a lot mm-hmm. of people on the ground. That's how they feel every single day. That's how they feel at so many different levels of this organization. There's a thing from Marcel Bout coming out today. He's a he's a I've I've hinted at this before. He's a he's a, he's the next scout, he was the, I think the head scout for many many years. And uh, I think he's been hired by Ashworth at, at Newcastle. So you can see they're building something there. And uh, and he's a highly respected individual. And he walked away last year um, after Eric Ten Hag was, uh, was hired. And he talked about today about some of the quotes he said about the problems that you're running into. And it's the same as always. There's no leadership. There's no direction. There's no proper channels. You've really felt like he was just somebody sitting there doing a job. That may have no influence, no direction, no purpose, even as the head of a whole area. And this is how it feels to a lot of people, because from the outside, when you look at what has happened and from the things that we're hearing and that we've heard. The leadership has completely failed in what it is supposed to do and in its duty of care to push the football club forward at so many levels and um and that is the, you know, why it's, that's where the change is happening from the top down from Ineos coming in. And, uh, and I think that until that leadership is resolved, um, it, things are never, you know, and, and it will be resolved. That is the biggest reason we haven't seen change. And and the difficulty now that you have is who's, <laughs> who can you rely on in there? Is there anybody and I think that's essentially what you're saying, that it's in a been in a position where they could affect this, where they could affect change, where they can lead, because there are many departments and many areas and things like that where you can say, yeah, that's a person that could continue, that could continue, that could take this club forward into the next phase that it wants to go through. And uh, I'm not sure that there are. I'm like, not sure that there are at all.
0: Like I said before on this podcast, to have leaders, you have to ask people where you want them to lead you to. That's and cool. when you have no direction, you can't lead. And like you said, leadership is about a collective goal that everyone buys into, that it identifies as the most important objective, but instead you've got vultures picking it in its carcass. And they're not really interested in resurrecting the dead and making sure that they the, the carcass, before they pick the meat off the bones, has life and thrives. They're in, they're invested in its downfall. They want to make sure that they get their piece of flesh on the way out. If certain people had resigned in disgust because they felt that um, they were there to make Manchester better football club or whatever, then I would say those are the types of people you want back. But now, you know, if you sit down with these people and go, I'm completely on board, Tim, I want to do that. No, no 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 you had that chance if this violated your principles and ethics you wouldn't be here so none of you deserve to be exculpated you're all a part of the problem every single one of you and i'm talking about the people in upper management these are the people that don't deserve to be part of any Manchester United that is rejuvenated so let them all go find alternative employment on merit, okay? And let's see how many of them end up in uh, commensurate positions and they want the ring. I guarantee very few of them. So wherever Richard Arnold goes to his new company, let's see if that new company will allow people, will allow him to bring people across and, um, a nepotistic employment and appointments where you work here you work here none of us really do a decent job but you know what the owners make money and you make money and we'll, we'll leave it at that so i have no sympathy for any of them james i'm really really disappointed in certain people that i trusted immensely that i've come to find out i completely overestimated and um I want you know I I I mean we we knew what a couple of months ago Richard Arnold was going. Yeah. Also, what happened last week was not a surprise. Um. He went from being very chatty at a pub to all of a sudden his no dickhead policy you know forgot about himself. Um, <clears throat> all the way down, and uh, all of a sudden. He doesn't want to communicate with people. He doesn't want to answer emails. He doesn't want to uh, talk to anyone. None of that. Um, when you know, if I was him, I mean, I would have at least been doing stuff over the summer with the Mason Greenwood thing. I would have at least been, you know, doing things about um, you know managing United's reputation, managing his own. But it was clearly obvious that he knew back then that. This was that his position was unsustainable. I I go back to the last international break, and this is the first time where I really started to ask myself deeper questions about the um, the uh, conduct of certain people in the inside. and I had asked particular individual at United when. The last international break happened when it was more or less revealed that any us were all on the verge of doing this deal, and United had just beaten Burnley two one. And I was going, "This is going to obviously lift the mood inside the football club now to and you know give everyone a boost." And the response was actually no, the opposite. I'm really concerned about the impact on the team and certain staff and what have you. I'm like, ooh, why? Why would this have a negative effect? And I mean, I'd had had certain questions about this before because obviously you get information. I'm like, they are devastated that this has happened because this night confirms that this little self-interest cabal is over, that all of a sudden any of us are going to clean house. And this... You know, no longer uh, do you get a job because you're mates with someone or for any other reason than actually you deserve the job on merit and that you take care of your primary responsibility, which is to make sure the club are taken care of, to, um, to have a culture of leaking things, damaging things. Clearly, there was enormous leaks over the summer with The Athletic about the Mason Greenwood situation that went right to the very top. And you can just see where the agenda shifted from, I'm going to protect myself and my reputation because the Glazers are going to make money on this. I'm going to be out. I need to make sure that for my next employer, it becomes clear this wasn't, you know, as a result of my failures or my judgment, this was a result of... Systemic failures that were that we were asked to act, you know, according to the um, the, uh, the the desires of the ownership, and um, you could just see where it started to fracture, which was essentially over the summer. Where it really, uh, and, and and I think, James, if you looked at United on tour and look when they came back, this football club has not looked great right since. Mm-hmm. I mean, instead of the summer being rejuvenated and, you know, coming in against Wolves, coming out flat, I mean, after the Arsenal game in pre-season, you 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 can't read too much in the pre-season, world to lose, right? And injuries, and all of a sudden, you know, they're scraping, trying to do, you know, deals that were ridiculous, um, you know, and you, you can just see where the fractions took place, and I think that's when it became clear to them that um, the Qataris were not, for whatever reason, going to uh, go to a level that would allow them to purchase a football club.
1: Yeah, I, I, there was definitely a point, and you know, there was a point in summer nearing the end, especially after the season had started, where they were offering all these deals. And if we could read between the lines – on these loans that all had cancellation Mm -hmm. clauses, you know, uh, whatever the clauses is called. I don't remember the word off the top of my head. break clauses. Yeah, these break clauses in January, loan deals only, nothing long term. It became obvious to me looking from the outside and to you as well, we spoke about this, that this was not a takeover coming in because somebody coming in and buying up the full club like the Qatar would not care about that it looked very much like it was being prepped for investment for someone to come in as an investor, to come in as a partner. And, uh, and of course that's what happened. And I think if we could read between the lines on that, so could everybody else and -hmm. the people at the club were certainly probably beginning to be aware that that was what was, what was happening as the direction changed at the football club. And, um, and, and, and yeah, it's been, the mood has been just somewhat not right since that point in time, there was no excitement uh, you know, when you look at it, it's hard to measure this, but it's there's not a lot of excitement. And it goes beyond that. I mean, it goes to the point, anyway, I, I don't want to spend the whole thing talking too negatively because there's actually some very positive things, depending on your perspective, coming for the future at United, given all of this. Well, but,
0: but Just one thing on that, mate. Yeah. I was told back in, I think it was October, September, October, that United would no longer work with me or give me any more content uh, solely because of how violently anti-glazer I was. I guess, and by the way, that when I had a show on my podcast, the United stand, Mark Goldberg, said that the only reason why they weren't getting players or content is because they were extremely anti-glazer. So should we assume that they're pro-glazer today? Should we assume that they have now moderated their content to a point where they are um now certainly acceptable to manchester i don't i don't know maybe this is just a standard they apply to me maybe they've applied it to other people but um they have remained steadfast which is totally fine by me because i'm i'm doing this 14 years you know i i don't get the same um level of excitement that i used to get when i first started it from interviewing united players in fact they're often some of the most i I wouldn't i'm not saying i wouldn't do it but they're so media trained that it's you know usually nothing worth of of interest in there um i do think people like andy Mitten and what have you who are exceptional journalists mary whitwell many other exceptional united journalists that work their arse off that are constantly Uh, at United Games that uh, have developed relationships over years, that have the strictest ethics. um, They should be getting that content. That's exactly who it should be going to. Um, But apparently they have um, a uh, content allocation policy that's applied on an ad hoc basis. So um, I don't know, I suppose United, London, Manchester United could explain why all of a sudden their coverage is compatible with the masses at the club? Would like to disseminate, because um, I can absolutely assure you that that's exactly what they said to me, and uh, I'm in some sense taken as a compliment.
1: Yeah, understood. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and I mean, it's always going to be uh, about being authentic. I think is the number one, the number one factor. Something can't change in the slightest. Um, I think I've been uh, accused of being too positive on certain points. So I'm going to stick with that authenticity too, Um, (laughs) you know, and uh, but one of the reasons I think it's important to cover all of these negatives is because I think it's important to understand this is that when things change at United, we're not talking about minor changes. Um, You know, football can be looked at as on a surface level and say, there's X number of players on the pitch, And they got to kick the ball around better and you need certain players to be better. And that's true in a major sense. But, uh, you know, certainly there is a lot more if you've been in business, any team, any company, anywhere you go, you know exactly how much the things that go on behind the scenes, the things that affect mood, the things that affect morale, affect the end product of what you can deliver and what you can produce the effectiveness of it, the quality of it, the efficiency of it, all of it from top to bottom. And basically, you know, where it stands today, you know, given all of this and, and the things we've talked about with the players, and, and you can blame the players for downing tools and things like that at times. I don't think they've really done that. I've, we've already talked about it. I don't believe in things like losing the dressing room and such. I think the mood wanes and waxes essentially based on, on results and things like that pretty constantly at any sport outfit. And, um, but the mood and the feeling is poor, even when new players come in, uh, they end up very quickly feeling unhappy. And, uh, and there shouldn't, it shouldn't really be this way. It's not all the responsibility of the club, but it is happening. And it is something that they should want to sort out. And when you look at this, you know, when you take something like you know, the situation of, uh, of of John Murtaugh, to be fair. Mm. Um, you know, I've looked at, with Ineos coming in, and I think as we've both heard, uh, I don't know the logistics of this type of thing, but it's probably more than a formality at this point in the time. I think from their perspective, they're pretty much part owners of Manchester United at this point in time already. Oh, well, you got and, the same think I got this one. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's their perspective on it from a legal standpoint. I don't know how that all works in terms of timing and everything, but that's the perspective or the perception of people who are close to or around it. And, um, and, uh, and and so when they're coming in and they're talking about you take the situation of John Murtaugh, who is the director of football. Well, one, on the one hand you look at it and say, fine, United have never really had a director of football. John Murtaugh isn't, a director of football in a sense that you would have at many clubs. He's not defining and setting the sporting direction of the club um, from a top-down level that's going to, to, to run things. That sporting direction, I think, is entirely undefined, as we've often seen with decisions that bounce between A, B, and C with no relevance between them. I think people comment sometimes when they look at the types of names that come up in United Recruitment that there's no real logic to it that you don't go from recruiting Frankie de Jong to Casemiro from Rabio in the middle with any sense of direction, uh, being involved in, in something like that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the discussion about is he safe in his job, is he not safe in his job, I think it doesn't really matter. Um, why should one should ever perceive that they're safe in a position that is based on performance and merit? Um, you're saying to get results,
0: yeah. You know what is, 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 is incredible to me?
1: Mm.
0: So, when we talked about Eric Ten Hag, I don't know, two weeks ago, there yeah. was a message that, of course, as is often taken out of contacts by aggregators and what have you, that says that you know, you had claimed that Eric Ten Hag's job was under threat, and there was a subsequent message from United about being, um curve, we more measured or, you know, we don't want this to be destabilizing. Could you uh, please moderate that message slightly? And their responsibility to be accurate. <clears throat> Which I've never quite understood how you could held to that standard. Then asking why another outlet that um, is never taking that responsibility serious and then I ask why they were briefed. And the response was, are you ready? Well, we know Fox News are toxic, but they get briefed too. So apparently this has been justified on the toxicity of Fox News. Sorry, Kyle.
1: No, it's not good. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, the thing is, 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 as I've mentioned, there's many times there's things I don't say for the purpose of not wanting to cause trouble because I do understand that people see the things that we say. I do understand that people listen to the things that we share. And um, it's not personal. But there is always a fine balance between what you know, which in the end is almost always come correct on, on certain matters, and, uh, and what is wanton. And when INEOS come into this, it is expected that they are going to make wholesale changes. And the feedback that has been there already is that those wholesale changes are absolutely necessary across the board, And that the level of activity and the level that things are being done is to a standard that is far below what is acceptable for a club at United. And that's not a secret to anybody on the outside when you watch what's on the pitch. Mm. But that comes down to the fact of why the culture needs to change at United. Because if you're an athlete and you're on the pitch, and that's funnily enough, even though they're paid very well, almost at the bottom, right, of the hierarchy of decision making. When you're an athlete and you're on the pitch and you know you're not producing every single day, uh, you're Marcus Rashford and you know you're not scoring, you know you're at risk of being benched. You know you're at risk of criticism. And if that form continues over multiple years, you know you're at at risk of losing your position at the football club or at the team and being benched, relegated to a different role, sold to a different club. You know it. You're there on merit. When a coach at Manchester United, and we've gone through many of them of since Sir Alex Ferguson, no, no, no. is not producing results, they know they are at risk. Of they course. know they could be changed. They know they have to get risk. They have to um, produce and start to change things. And I think that Actually, if rather, anyone. I, I mean, yeah. if you're held
0: to a certain performance standard. Standard, then we know yeah. that you know unless you work for the DMV or something, you have to perform.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, and that is the truth of it is that this isn't a government job where mm-hmm. you can get by on absolute minimum all the time and it's okay. And it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You should be every single day measuring up what you are doing. And I understand there's the personal and human aspect. 100 by the way, but yes. Yeah. Right.
0: Everyone, everyone,
1: everyone I, but everybody has it. Every single person in any position of any sort of merit knows that every week or every month or every quarter, they're bringing their departments results to somebody. Mm -hmm. And someone is looking at it and someone is measuring it and someone is telling them whether it's going to work out or not for them in the future. Mm -hmm. And if that's not happening, then they're probably not in a very successful organization, frankly. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is where one of the examples of, of kind of focus and how the focus can be improved. If the messages that were going out, if the message was more aligned in what are we doing Really, and acknowledge, and this is an interesting. This is just an interesting point I want to make about the, the concept of united. I think it does more good. I think it would do a lot more good for the club to acknowledge the things that they do wrong outright and take responsibility for them than it would to not and to try and kind of circumvent these things. You take the Mason Greenwood thing, for example. I just want to say, all right, on this point. I think it would have been better to come out and admit, if this is the case, straight, that we intended to bring him back, but we understand that it is not something acceptable to people. And so we're going to reevaluate that and we apologize than to pretend the decision was never made Mm. and to pretend that it was never the intention to bring him back Mm. because nobody believes it anyway. Nobody believes it when you cover it up. And there's a lot of examples of things like that that occur on a daily basis. If one were to look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, we screwed up recruitment. We bought the wrong people. Instead of talking about how much money was spent as if that justifies the results that are on the pitch because we know it doesn't. And I think that this is a part of the culture of of accepting and uh, focusing on football um, and on results because it's not about image. And I think that a lot of people would be better off and would actually get find their jobs a lot easier if it was done in that focus than if it were on the brand and protecting the brand and things like that. But that is, of course, the problem with, with United, as, as we talked about from the beginning of this thing. And I think that is something that is going to change. I mean, it's really interesting. i just give, give an example of this. You know, Ineos, with their, with their ownership of, of Nice, I think I've heard more acknowledgement of getting things wrong. And doing things incorrectly Mm
0: -hmm. for the
1: first three years and how they've sorted it out in four years than we've ever heard at united in terms of acknowledgement of what was actually done wrong Mm -hmm. of the mistakes that they've made of the things that have happened to get where they are today which is an improvement it's not to say they're like the grand example but it's a point about the culture and how these things are done of looking at and saying we didn't get the result we wanted that means we messed up because responsibility is the only way to create change. If one cannot be and take responsibility for the things that have happened, then they're not going to fix it in the future because it's never their fault. It's never their problem. It's never something that they did to make this happen. And if you put blame on everybody else's doorstep, then you will never figure out what you need to do to improve. And that has been the culture I think at United all the way through for a long time. And that of course then goes down all the way to the players to where yeah, they're going to put the blame on everybody else. Can you blame them? So does it everybody else does it? why shouldn't i the
0: time uh, a ceo or chief executive or executive vice chairman was saying that united have not done their job properly yeah and uh no one with any degree of charity or or or, or just would even dare suggest that united have had anything uh, remotely successful in the last 10 years yeah. just quickly uh to debo is someone that uh, we've talked about in this podcast before yeah. Happy and have having a link with United, United looking at center backs for January. That would be a relatively easy deal to do. Any of us are expected to be confirmed by the premier league before or by the start of the January transfer window. So they could be in a position to make that happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that they could, I don't think we're going to see massively significant um, things. And I think part of the complication of that in January, aside from financially is, uh, is just the level of things that do need to change and be adjusted at United as far as I hear that there's complication in that respect, that they don't want to rush into making too many decisions. But Taribo, fortunately, is a player where both sides of this deal will have an immense amount of knowledge and understanding of the type of person and player he is and be able to make something happen. So I think something like that could occur. Um, I think that one of the things that has been interesting that has come out as well... Without taking sides on something like this, because it is a more complex issue and speaks to it all, is uh, as well the resolution of of the issues with players like Jaden Sancho and Rafael Veran, wherein there are issues. uh, There are issues with them. You see a report from a a journalist in Germany today who happens to be quite good for Bayern Munich saying that um, they've explored the potential for Rafael Veran. Now, whatever's being said within the club or things like that, you can bet it's very likely that Rafael Veran's agent is already exploring potential avenues for his departure somewhere where he uh you know you can just read into that however you will but these are the types of situations that also will be of a top priority to resolve you've seen some stories from some people about jim Ratcliffe already asking for them to be resolved you've seen stories kind of hitting back about Mm. nobody's going to tell me what to do in my locker room and these types of things and and i understand both aspects of it i think that part of that Lack of direct communication uh, can stir up a little bit of a hornet's nest. Um, but even those types of stories going in and out of United are some of the things you hope to see become a thing of the past uh, once yeah, new so management comes in.
0: I don't think you can commit until 10-Hagi has to resolve the issue with Sancho. Yeah. because, To me, in that situation, there is no amicable resolution. You've already yeah. decided the outcome, so Ten Hag has no ability to go into that discussion right. and, and, yep. and, and, and extract anything from Sancho on a concession because yep. he's already been told. This is what you have to do. So yep. if you're going to compel somebody to accept an apology, the apology is not even necessary because mm-hmm. it's already been decided. So I think if you want to come in and say, let's try to resolve this. Let's sit around the table and see if we can find yep. a solution to this with the new dynamic. That's totally fine to me. Yep. But I don't think you can go in there with a predetermined outcome and say the 10 hog. you have to, otherwise, you know, they're going to be an exact. I don't care if the managers are at 10 hogs and I think it's Don, Luis Enrique. You just, this is, you know, you took something that, and I'm sure any of us are smart enough.
1: Yeah, I think it's more <laughs> in line with what you just said, you know, in, in the truth of the, of the situation is that, I think one of the things that they are unimpressed with is how this kind of stuff happens at United, how it gets to these points, um, because it's about far more than the manager uh, in yes. terms of how these things occur, how these things occur with Sancho, how these things occur with lots of players, how they've occurred with others over the years and how they're occurring right now, because there are other players without naming names or getting anybody in in trouble because it's not like that in the slightest. And it's not going to be the people that people think it is um, you know are have situations they're unhappy with and it's not about eric ten hag it's about so much more than that and uh, and i think that that's really what it comes back to is that when you're coming in from the outside you might look at it and say sancho and ten hag have a big issue right now mm-hmm. but you're looking at the end of a long standing problem that's been going on that has multiple causes maybe it's resolvable maybe it isn't but um, but these are examples of some of the things that um, that they have already looked at that they've observed because maybe they're while they it's limited the amount that they can be in the club you can bet that they're probably hearing from agents and people like that who are wanting to let them know uh, what's going on with their players what's going on with people all of that when new owners are coming in to run a sporting side you can bet that you're getting calls constantly to. To sure. people Around Ineos, from people representing players and individuals around football right now, um, you can just bet. And so, yeah, these are these are some of the major things to be resolved. Um, but I think in January, yeah, someone like Turibos is is plausible. But uh, yeah, certainly these uh, these issues, these player issues, these things from are going to continue to be uh, addressed in the meantime as soon as they can get in there and to, to hopefully make a difference. And and that is as, as well, part of why they're going to not want to make large, massive sweeping ch- player changes and signings because they really do have to get their hands in there a bit uh, to determine, you know, a few things. I agree. Uh, all right,
0: folks, believe it. There. Um, yep. Hopefully the next time we record this podcast, there's more progress on all of this behind the scenes and uh, the uh you know, it's can begin and um we can see people on the inside um having a common goal of making sure much is needed are represented in the best way possible and that um the football club remembers that it's the biggest football club in the world and it doesn't have to work with certain outlets because um Their brand depends on it. Um, No no more Fox News briefings and stuff like that. Um, We leave it there, folks. Thank you, James. All the best, mate. And uh, thank you. And and to the people at Manchester United who are listening to this, I hope you like the podcast. See you you later.